What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Join the Journey podcast. For this week's podcast episode, we're going to continue our Pass the Mic series with an exciting interview with my friend, Philip Harris Jones Jr., a fellow Why Not teammate of mine. Philip has an incredible transplant and life story in general, and I'm super honored and humbled that he would come on the podcast to share a little bit about his personal experiences and how he has used those and is continuing to use those to better others around him and those impacted by organ transplant and donation. I'm super excited for this interview, y'all, so let's get started. All right, everyone. So as I said in the intro, we're going to be interviewing my friend Philip Harris Jones Jr. as we continue our Pass the Mic series. This interview is really special, y'all. He and I have been trying to coordinate this for quite a while now um, and just life and things came up to where we couldn't get it done. So it's long overdue, but we're all here now. Um, He'll probably tell you it's long overdue and he's right. Uh, But with that, I don't want to steal any of his thunder. So Philip, super excited to have you on, man. Take it away. Mr. Porter, man, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast this evening. Uh, You know, it's kind of long overdue, but I'll take it when I can get it. Um, my name you. is Philip Jones. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I had a kidney transplant in 2007. Uh, currently uh, on dialysis, awaiting another mm-hmm. kidney. But, um, you know, hey, yes. those times, right? So um, you want me to just give, give them the story? You have some questions for yeah, me? Yeah, man, just give them the story. I know I, I know a little bit about it. I, I feel like we're kind of having deja vu. Because you, me, and a couple in Austin and um, and Jonathan had a had a roundtable uh, Facebook Live yesterday, so I feel like I feel like a little in deja vu world. But yeah, man, um, want to kind of hear a little bit about um, about that process, you know, of, of going through um, the initial initial transplant experience and then experiencing a, a rejection and kind of what 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 all that what all that was like. Um, so, well, to touch on the first part, yeah, it is deja vu. I think me and you've had this conversation, uh, <laughs> two more times before the words today. So, um, I hear you. but yeah, you know, the, the first, the first time is a lot different from the second time, which I think a lot of us, uh, kind of experience when, you know, when you have to deal with the rejection side and things like that. But, um, the first time, uh, to just kind of start from the beginning a little bit, um, I was diagnosed with uh, end-stage renal disease at four years old. Um, but from there, I kind of, you know, I, I spent two, two and a half months in the hospital once everything kind of really kind of sat in for me. Um, I believe I told the same. So I had a seizure at my grandparents' house, and that's kind of when everything really kind of kicked up for me with my kidney failure. Um, I was on dialysis and, you know, I remember I being at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles and I, you know, had all these tubes and wires and things, you know, and it's crazy because I'm 31 now and I still remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. And so, you know, after that, I got out. I pretty much lived my life like any, you know, person would really kind of want to live their life, you know, regular with, you know. Of course, I have my my kidney problems that I dealt with, but I never uh, told anybody about those situations. So, 
Um, I kind of just lived my life, I guess you could kind of say, under the radar uh, when it came to uh, my kidney failure. Um, so I, I lived on 30% kidney function from the time I got out of the hospital till I believe I was 16 uh, when my doctor finally said, yeah, it's about that time. Your, your kidney function is starting to to come down, you know, a little bit more rapidly than, than normal. And, you know, we, we need to start looking at transplant and dialysis and stuff like that. So um, they actually switched my pediatric nephrologist, um, who, I, who I had at the time, honestly, was probably, you know, I had two of the best. And the crazy part about that is that both of them were actually really good friends. They go on fishing trips and oh, wow. all that stuff together. I didn't, And the thing is, I didn't even find that out until I think I ended up going back to that hospital just to go see him and visit him one day, maybe about a year or two after I transferred from him. And I said, you know, um, you know, how's everything going? And so he's like, yeah, everything's good. He said, yeah. He goes, uh, I was just on a fishing uh, fishing trip with Dr. Peterson. I'm like, how do you know him? And <laughs> he's like, man, we've been friends for a long time. And I said, that sounds about right. You know, because I had, um, <laughs> after I left Children's, I, I, I went to Kaiser and Bellflower. Um, and Kaiser is basically like similar to, to Children's Hospital for the most part in hospitals. And so uh, I've been at Kaiser Belfort pretty much all my life for the most part. And so uh, when I first started, I had a, a guy named Dr. Peterson who was terrific at his job, um, very professional, you know, and cared about the kids that he had, um, you know, that he took care of. And then I had Dr. Carr after Dr. Peterson fully retired. And so hmm. the thing about Dr. Carr is that even when he retired, he didn't really retire. So what he did was he retired yeah. from nephrology kind of as a whole to a degree. So he wouldn't just see anybody. He would just really kind of hmm. see his kids who dealt with like kidney failure and stuff like that, like his special patients. You know, yeah, I'm a little special. It's okay. Um, so, but yeah, you know, he, um, I saw him, saw him a couple of times at, towards the end of, you know, before he, he transferred me. And, um, so, you know, like I said, they were really good friends. You could tell that they, you know, once you hear that, you know, if you knew who he was and, and Dr. Peterson, you, you'd be able to see it really quickly because they were exactly the same person when it came to oh my God. being a medical doctor, they were the same person, same attitude. You know, same sense of humor, everything. You know, and so um, I I got transferred from there, went to uh, Kaiser uh, Sunset, and uh, started on dialysis there uh, under a doctor named Doctor Quizon, and she took care of me for a little bit, and then I remember um, right after, uh, not too long after I had my transplant. I hit 18, I got a call, and I remember them saying, hey, um, you're 18. I said, they said, uh, pediatric goes to 21, but you have the option to make that adjustment if you want to go now or if you want to mm -hmm. stay here until you're 21. 
I was like, bye. <laughs> it was like leaving your parents' house. <laughs> like it was like, oh, I gotta, I have somewhere to go and live, and I don't have to stay here. Okay, I'm leaving. I gotta go. So I left uh, pediatrics right after 18. Uh, got transferred to uh, upstairs in the adult division of nephrology um, under my still current doctor, uh, Doctor John Sim, who is Man, it's like I got, you know, two great doctors in pediatrics with Karen Peterson, and they just transferred over to to Dr. Sim. I mean, this dude is, you know, he, you know, it's great when you get those doctors who actually care about you. And if you live, you know, if you strive, if you're doing great, you know, and is, and when I really, when it really clicked for me, I knew he cared. But it clicked for me one day because he said, uh, my pops went, went to an appointment with me one day years ago. And he said, you must have did something wrong because he ain't never yelled at you like that. And I had to think about it for a minute. I said, well, maybe I did do something wrong because I've never heard him <laughs> yell at me neither. You, you know, like even, you know, you forget to take your meds here and there, whatever, you know, little small things that are not really making a big difference. But it's still something that you probably shouldn't do. He still didn't yell, you know. It was like, man, you know, Philip, you know, you got to do this and you know, do that, and make sure this stays on point. And I'm like, you know, and, and I think that's what kind of made me draw closer to him and and like him even more because I was so you. And that's just, I didn't ex- establish this part, but the reason why I left Cuisine as quickly as I did was because all she did was yell, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm like. If I'm in PDH, I'm 18 and yelling at me. What you doing to these kids that's nine, ten years old? You know, I'm like, I can't yeah. I couldn't be around that because I wouldn't be able to take it much longer. And so when they called me with that right. you know, that choice, I was like, Yeah, I'm gone. I'm not even gonna try to change doctors in pediatrics. I'm just gonna go to, you know, adult. I don't even have to worry about you anymore after that. So but I mean, Doctor Sim, and he's so he's so professional. He's caring. He cares about his patients and what they do in their life. Um, he was the reason why. Well, he was part of the reason. Um, when I had my transplant, I actually played um, a year of college football when I when I started uh, college, and of course, I asked him first. I said, you know, well, do you think it would be good for me to play? And I mean, I hmm. usually doctors have to think about these things. He didn't hesitate. Yeah. He didn't hesitate. My doctor at UCLA didn't hesitate because I was still in pediatrics there, but I wasn't at Kaiser. And they both at the job of had said, yeah, you know, it, it'll be real healthy for you because, you know, of course, like we were having this conversation, um, you know, on on live is that being active is a big part of our life. You know, exercising, right. you know, the way we eat, you know, the way the way we take care of our bodies, our kidneys, liver, heart, you know, whatever transplant we have, um, exercise and nutrition is a big part to it. So uh with no problem, you know, they okay me to go, you know, to play, uh just like they okay me to play even when I was on peritoneal dialysis in high school. But um to kind of veer back onto the story, um, it uh, 
I, I had my transplant in 2007. I, I kept it for three years. Um, and to very, you know, kind of uh, fastly uh, explain the rejection side to it. Um, 2008, it, it seems like you, you, you brought up deja vu. And then and now everything seems like I repeated myself eight times in three days. Um, <laughs> 2007 went to the, uh, uh, no, sorry, 2008 went to the Pittsburgh transplant games, uh, U.S. transplant games that were in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, had a great time. It was my first one. And to kind of backstory a little bit, how I got caught into the uh, transplant games, there was a, a lady who ended up go- moving out here from Pittsburgh. Um, that had been oh, to wow. the games multiple times. Uh, she, I believe she had yeah, a kidney transplant. And so she came to uh, the pediatric floor. Um, uh, she came to Children's Hospital of uh, UCLA. And I guess she had a talk with my uh, nephrologist at the time. And, you know, told, her, told him everything about the games and, and stuff like that. She had made this big old poster board thing with pictures and stuff and had a little pamphlet and you know and I mean she was like recruiting recruiting which is what we're getting ready to get to now but um and so it was crazy because I remember I came in for an appointment and he didn't he didn't talk about labs he didn't talk about how my weekend was nothing because uh clinic was always on a Monday for for us at UCLA, and well, at least for me. And so, as soon as I got in there, he he didn't even talk about what we were supposed to be talking about for the appointment. He went straight into, I have a lady here who wants to talk to you about about this sporting event. I really think you liked. I'm like, this must be really important for him to not to bypass labs. Yeah. And, I mean, I wasn't tripping. I knew they were good, but I mean, you just bypassed. Our normal conversation. We normally talk about sports and like we had a, a real, you know, good relationship. And so, yeah, um, I said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll hear her out. So I, we went into another room and she gave me this whole rundown of the transplant games. And I was really pulled in to be able to know that there was a an event, not necessarily just a sporting event, but an event period that recognizes transplant patients, donors, support mm. families, you know, for what, what about a week, you know, and it's always something different going yep. on along with the sporting events for the transplant patients. And so um, it was funny because I remember I got back in my, in my room and he goes, so what do you think? I said, I said, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told her. I said, I would love to go, but I'm 18 years old. And it ain't like I got millions sitting in the bank. Like, I, you know, the financial side to it would be an mm. issue for me, you know, because I knew my parents wouldn't be able to go because they're working, you know, especially after taking off the time that they had to take off when I had my transplant and after, you know, things like that, you know, they're trying to get that time back so they can, you know, retire around this time now, you know, in about the next two or three years, you know, so they're trying to get all that time back uh, even after using, you know, uh, family leave and things of that nature. So 
He said, I remember, I, I'll never forget this. He looks at me and goes, oh, don't worry about that. He said, do you want to go? And, you know, I'm 18. I'm like, you want to repeat that sure. one time? Like, you going to tell me not to worry about the financial <laughs> sides of this? Like, it'd be different if you were telling me not to yeah. worry about the athleticism part to it because I know I have that. But financially, he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. He said, we'll pay for it. And UCLA paid for my, my plane ticket up and back uh, and my hotel, originally my hotel. Um, and then uh, Team SoCal, who is uh, the team that I'm a part of for the transplant games, called me and they had a um, AKF actually at the time, if you remember, was over the game at the time. Yes. So. Yeah, because it was called the it was called the U.S. Transplant Games, and then they changed the name after um, the name the uh, people who ever saw it switched. Right, now it was the yeah. Now it's the Transplant Games of America. So, mm-hmm. uh, so NKF ended up paying for my room because of the fact that they had a um, I don't know if Cooper was a volunteer or an intern. Um, but they he was going also, and they had a room for him. So they was like, yeah, you know, we'll just we'll pay for the room if you don't mind rooming with him. I'm like, okay, you know, that's no problem. You know, so technically it's still paid for nonetheless. But um, so they paid for my registration. At like UCLA paid for it, everything when I went in 2008. And uh, oh yeah, that's no man, it it was. What made it so much better was that I had, because I didn't have to pay for none of that stuff, I had some change in my pocket because I just graduated. Mm. You know, I just went to prom months before that. You know, so I had all this money that I had gotten from, you know, cards and all this stuff. So <laughs> I'm sitting in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I still didn't have to pay for nothing because NKF at least out here, I don't know how the other NKFs and other areas kind of treated their team, but if you went anywhere with a manager, you wasn't tripping. Like, mm. and, and, even, and I even told her, you know, you, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, no problem, I can pay for my own food. And they were like, no, you know, we, got, we went to, um, I normally get this wrong, and I'm going to butcher it, uh, Promantis Brothers. It's a, a sandwich place in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you if you were able to go when you're out there. I, I is is it the one that's been highlighted for like I forget what show or whatever? There are a couple out there. Yeah, it was on um the show called uh was it on Diner Driving and Dives? I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been to that one. Yeah, I went to that. Yeah, one. we went too. and it was like late. They just, you know, if you're going to go to the sandwich spot, you want to go. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 18. I got all the energy in the world. So, yeah, sure. We'll go. So, we went, like, it had to be about 12 o'clock in the morning, 11, somewhere between 11, 12 o'clock in the morning, oh right? Because they they heard about it before and they wanted to go. They were like, we're going to go. They had a van and we just piled in the van and, and you know, and went and ate. One of the best sandwiches I've had to this day. And so, so had a great time at 18 because uh, of what National Kidney Foundation was doing at that time with the games. 
you know, still have a great time. I went in 2018 mm-hmm. in Utah. Um, now that Bill Ryan is over it, you know, and, and he's doing a great job. Um, he's still probably still kind of getting his bearings together with it because it's not something that you could just pick up and do, you know, but but he has a great team no. behind him. And it's, you know, anybody who has never heard of the Transplant Games of America, go look it up if you're a transplant patient, if you're even if you're pre-transplant. You know, if you're on dialysis, they, they still allow you to, um, you know, if you're on dialysis and, you know, you've had a transplant before, you still qualify to uh, participate. I participated in 2018. And I was on peritoneal dialysis at the time. Um, so, you know, if you just, you know, need something to kind of get your spirits up, you know, things like, like this, it's a great place to, a great thing to be a part of. A uh, great place to be, you know, for, you know, four or five days. Um, I know this uh, this year coming up for 21 will be uh, in New Jersey. Um, it was supposed to be there last year, but because of COVID, they canceled it and moved it over a year. And then they announced that uh, 2022 will be in uh, my backyard. Well, I live in Los Angeles, but it'll be in San Diego. Um, so, you know, you got these next two years of knowing where you possibly be going. Um, I would say, you know, figure out who your team is and, and conversate with them. It, it's a wonderful experience, uh, a wonderful experience, a very emotional experience, um, you know, because especially for people who thought that they kind of they're, they're kind of by themselves going through this journey. Um, you're able to talk to so many people and hear so many stories from different people of how they got from, you know, point A to point B in their life. You know, um, I mean, the first time I went, I was like, I I heard so many stories. I I was in shock, you know, because I I, I've been dealing with this since I was four years old and never heard of anything like this. You know, never heard of, uh, of, I didn't hear about UNOS until it came for, you know, time for a transplant. I didn't know about any of these organizations, foundations, till after I made that transition to adults. So, you know, being in some, a part of something like that was, you know, big time, especially the opening ceremonies. Your first opening ceremony is emotional. Oh, you know, right. Chills, man. Man. Chills. Such a good, oh, dude. I mean, it, you know, and I'd been trying to get back for 10 years, man. I wanted to go back in 2010 in Wisconsin. Um, I think Houston was 12 or 14, something like that. Houston was 14. Yeah, I was there. It was, um, n- uh, note to anybody listening, in case you're wondering if it's um, hot in Houston in the summer, I'm just going to. Let you sit on the front sack. It's blistering. It's it. I think the day that I ran with the heat index, um, I'm pretty sure it reached 100 degrees. Um, but that's okay. We ran. We had a great time, and it was man. That and Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, both Pittsburgh really awesome. was great, and the, the weather in Pittsburgh at the time was wonderful because I thought, I thought it was gonna be. Oh. You know, you think Pittsburgh, you, you know. I'm thinking it's about to, you know, it might mess around the snow or something out there. I mean, I knew it was going to be cold, but it was actually 
nice <laughs> weather. I walked, I think I walked around in shorts the whole time that I was out there. And, and mm-hmm. then, uh, I don't know if you went in 18 to Utah, but I got shocked there too, because I'm thinking, I mean, anybody that knows Utah knows that nine times out of 10 is cold as crap. Of course, <laughs> we yeah. ended up having the games the same time the whole West Coast was in a heat wave. So I'm <laughs> in California oh, in a wow. heat wave, and I get to Utah, and it's still a heat wave. I mean, it was in the 90s. I mean, it was hot. You oh know, and luckily for me, I decided not to do track and field events. So I stayed inside <laughs> most of the time. I did basketball, which is inside in the convention center. Uh, anything I did, you know, whether I was watching somebody or whatever was inside. So I did my other event was bowling and I was supposed to do, supposed to do, um, I was about to say badminton, not badminton. Um, uh, the, the combination of tennis and badminton, I forgot what the name of it it is, but, uh, no, not ping pong. pong? I would have, I would have definitely came up with ping pong. It's the uh, it's 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 like a bigger version of ping pong. It's like a life more lifestyle version. I forgot okay. what the name of it is. It's a newer sport. A lot of people actually play it, but it's it's actually just now kind of coming on the scene nationally and stuff like that. But they had a part of the game for the first time uh, in eighteen, and and I ended up not doing that, even though that was going to be inside because my partner, uh, you know, wasn't feeling well and left early, so. Um, but I bowling was my other event, like I said, and so I was inside for that. And watching people, I was inside. I made sure I stayed inside. <laughs> went to bowling event inside. Went to uh, <laughs> you know, I stayed for for volleyball because you know that seems like the only you know the one thing for sure we could be consistent in placing in is volleyball. So um, you know, but yeah, it was. 95, 96, the whole time we were there, man, hot. So, you know, pray when you decide Mm -hmm. to go that hopefully it's not a thousand degrees when you end up going because it it can, I won't say it's not going to ruin the experience, but it definitely plays a part in it because especially when you do like open ceremonies or closing and it's outside, Man, Houston, uh, uh, Utah was outside for I know closing ceremonies for sure, but opening ceremonies was too. Both in the same place. I think about it, but I mean, it's it's very emotional. It's you know, very emotional, man. Yeah. I remember opening ceremonies for Utah game. I remember a guy, good friend of mine, uh, Zach, and he looks at me, he says. How you feel? And I'm like, you'll make me cry <laughs> because I was trying to hold it in because I'm like, you know, like I said, I've been trying to get there for 10 years, you know, trying to get back to this place, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that kind of feels like home, away from home for me. And, you know, I'm walking, I remember walking down the steps, you know, going to field, you know, when they're uh, announcing uh, the team names and, and stuff like that. And, and he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, I'm already like inside of my body. I'm crying. And I'm like, because 
for me, it's, it's, it's a big thing. You know, uh, anybody that's been before yeah. understands why that's an emotional feeling to just be there, regardless if you've had time in between or not. Um, because a lot, you know, a lot of people in the Shanghai community see uh, each other as family. You know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day oh, if you're blood related or not. We see each other as family, whether you're a donor, support system, donor family, transplant patient. You know, we, we, we see each other as family. We treat each other as such. You know, so for us, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really emotional situation to be there, especially uh, to show recognition to those people who have had their transplant 25 years, you know, 15 years, 20 years, you know, those people who, who have gone the extra mile to make sure that, you know, they're still going with their kidney and, and doing what they can. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, you get um, tested with that unfortunate or bad luck to where, you know, you, you know, your, your kidney may not make it 15 years. You know, you might have to have another, you know, transplant. But the goal is to get that transplant, you know. So, but so you know to to be able mm -hmm. to show recognition to those people who were able to go that long, you know, 30, 40 years with a transplant, no matter what kind of transplant it is, it's not any easier to have a kidney transplant from a liver to a heart or anything. It's hard to keep in one period, especially when you're young, you know. Yeah. When you're young, man, it's mm, it's definitely. it's a um a tough task. It's like holding a job because you know when you're young yep. and you have a transplant, you taking you know you taking your meds and stuff, and you're doing everything the doctor tells you to do, and all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, man, I feel great. You know, I feel like I can go go. You yeah. know, jump off a building and, and survive and, you know, you know, over-exaggerating, of course, um, you know, and, and do all these things. And then a lot of a lot of kids, what they do is they feel like they don't need those those meds anymore, you know, because of how they feel. Yeah. But then they don't think of the fact that, you know, I'm here because of the meds. You know, let me not stop taking, hmm. you know, so. It's good that nowadays, um, you know, when you have uh, foundations like foundation that me and you are both a part of the Why Now Foundation that teach compliance, taking your meds, you know, uh, staying in touch with your doctors and being proactive, man. You know, I didn't get to have that when I was younger. You know, um, I was lucky enough really to have uh, my immediate family especially my father, who's consistently, you know, be proactive and do this and do that um, to kind of keep me in place and not let things get out of hand for me. You know, my mother as well, my family, period, was always on my case, you know, taking my meds, going to my appointments and stuff like that. But now that there are organizations like Why Not in place, you know, to be able to take from people like, uh, you know, me, you and Austin, who dealt with, you know, things at a younger age and implement that to be able to help the kids that are coming up now with these situations that we've already dealt with, 
some of us still dealing with, you know, is, is, is a great thing. So, um, but so, you know, like I said, I, I had the transplant for three years um, and the, the point to the, the games was I tore my right meniscus uh, playing basketball um, at the transplant games Ooh. that year in 2008. And so I, I, I did it during basketball, but I worsened it the next day at track and field. Um, doing the hmm. long jump, the 104 by one. So, oh yeah, definitely. That'll do oh, it. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, at that time, I thought I was Superman. Hmm. So, you know, I was, I, I said if I can walk, True. I can run. So, you know, of course I went out there and I got a I got a bronze in the oh. in, a, in long jump and got a, uh I got a gold in the of four by one. Did. And so, You tore yeah. your meniscus and you oh, did that. Four by one Good grief, was dude. Rolling. <laughs> that four by man, trust me, I didn't do it by myself, man. The R four by one man and and we had a challenge because um, that was when uh, Josh Bergeron was running with Wisconsin, and that dude, him, and it, but you know we had two sprinters, sprinters on our team, so it was uh, that. That's what kind of made it a little bit easier for us. But I mean, Josh Bergeron, man, the thing was Josh and Wisconsin ran in a separate heat than we did. So for us, the fact that we didn't have to run against them, we were just in front. We were rolling. We were in front. <laughs> I'm running second leg. When I got done and handed the baton to third leg, there was nobody around, you know. And so I had time to kind of wow. just watch everybody. But in the second heat, it was close, you know. And like I said, Wisconsin won. But, I mean, Josh, man, his speed on that anchor leg was just – Ridic- it scared me for a minute because I was like, did he catch us? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, so it was definitely a, a team ever for sure. Trust me, it wasn't just me. Um, but, uh, oh, so, no. yeah, you know, I tore my meniscus there That's and it. where the problem comes into play at is I don't know if you've ever had any type of aching problem back knee you know shoulder anything like that where oh yeah you have to be have to sit on a plane for more than an hour or two you know and some of these seats aren't the most comfortable seats in the world you know where you got room you can stretch out especially when you're on southwest you know so i got you know i have a, a messed up knee you know coming back from, you know, and I have a four-hour flight going from Pittsburgh to, to L.A., oh my gosh. you know, and so I'm like, man, I need to figure out something like, I'm, look, everybody that's around me at the time was either a liver patient or a heart patient, which means nobody had Tylenol. But of course, I didn't know that. Hmm. See, the, the, here's where the problem comes into play. At the time, I didn't know that Tylenol for kidneys good, 
Motrin for for uh, liver is good, you know, and then vice versa is bad. So I'm like, I'm like, okay. The only thing that was around was, you know, everybody had Motrin in their hand. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, I need something, you know. And I mean, of course, they told me, you know, take Tylenol. So okay, yeah, I get that. But they never they really explained to me why. So, hmm. in that situation, I'm not seeing anything wrong with taking the Motrin. I'm just, you know, at the time, I'm just figuring, ain't no Tylenol around. Little did I, you know, I'm, I'm 18, so I wasn't thinking at the same time. I was thinking more about my pain than thinking with my brain. So, even though I'm in the airport, which means that I could have hmm. gone to any store in the airport and gotten some Tylenol, and like I said, I just had all these events happening, so I had it wasn't like I didn't have no money to go in there and get it. But of course, I'm you know I'm 31 now, so that of course that comes to my mind now. But at the time, it didn't click for me then, right? So took the Motrin, yeah. and I remember about two or three weeks later, I had an appointment, and of course the blood work come back, and you're going into acute rejection. I'm like. Okay, now I need to find out why, because I'm like I'm taking my, you know, taking my meds. I'm everything, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Compliance is no problem for me, right? And yeah. so I'm like, okay, we need to figure something out. Like, what is the reason why, you know, that this 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 happened? And I remember after go after dealing with, you know, the rejection going back and forth. I would have it. And then it would fix it and things would get back to normal. Then it would come back again. And I remember the med they called and he said, uh, well, before that, I remember we had a conversation. She said, so did you take anything that you wasn't supposed to take or anything different from, you know, that you weren't supposed to take? I said, yeah. So I took uh, Motrin mm-hmm. when I messed up my knee, you know, when I was at the airport, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay. So, I, you know, they tested and did everything for that. And they came back and said, you know, that was the reason why it rejected was because of uh, the motion that I took, you know, for my knee. So, I mean, unfortunate, yeah. Wow. But, you know, we all know that things could have been so much worse than just the rejection going on dialysis. So, um, so I'll definitely take, True. you know, what I got, you know. Um, granted, of course, um, by 2010 was when everything was kind of a done deal for me. It had completely rejected, you know. And so I remember my doctor saying, uh, "All right, we're gonna have to put you on uh, on dialysis again." And I'm like, "All right, you know." So you know, in my mind, my mind is ready for it because it's already had you know happened before, and. So I'm all right, well, you know, let's go ahead and do what we got to do. And my first thought was, hey, can I do peritoneal dialysis again? And he was like, nah. He was like, maybe in the future, you know, but right now, because everything is so bad, you need to be on dialysis right now. And everybody knows, you know, that uh, knows something about kidneys that the quickest form of dialysis is uh, hemo. So, um, because you know, if you even if you do grafts and stuff like that, you gotta wait for that to heal and you know, uh 
PD, you gotta wait for uh your stuff, you know, your stuff to heal and stuff like that because it's in your uh abdomen and stuff. So um so they put the catheter in my chest, you know, and uh put me, you know, put me on dialysis. And I remember uh at the time I'd just been working at Disneyland for maybe maybe about two months, two or three months at the time. And so I remember when they put me on dialysis, I missed a week of work. But the thing about Disneyland is that if you mm. call in, then you don't have to call in for like, I think, two or three extra days after that. So like, say, for instance, um, today is Tuesday. If I call in a day and say, hey, um, I'm calling in sick, you know, I don't have to call in again really till Friday. You know, if, if I'm out longer than hmm, that. That's nice. So, but the thing about it was that I was new. You know, I was still, you know, I was been there two months. I'd never called out sick, you know, or anything like that. So I didn't really know the ins and outs to that. And also, you know, what I would, you know, the, the paperwork part to it, as, you know, because I knew I was going to be out for a while. So caught in every day. I was out yeah. for about a week. Caught in every day, right? Caught in every day. And I remember I went back to work um, to talk to my bosses and stuff like that. And I couldn't get in through security. It was beeping red. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so they had to call my manager and stuff. My manager's like, hey, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, man, you know, they they uh, uh, suspended, you know, your stuff because you had, you know, you've been no call, no show for seven days. And I'm like, oh, that can't be right. You know, so that ended. Uh -oh. I'm not going to get that good into, yeah. into that story, but that ended. And um, they, you know, they didn't, you know, unsuspend me and all that stuff. So I, um, you know, so, but um, I kind of forgot where I was at. Um, Oh, okay. I remember. Okay. No, so you're good. The next month, um, at the same time, I was also in a gospel group um, out of here um, that my mom had been a part of for years. And so she, once I got out of high school and stuff like that, I was in college, she finally asked me uh, to join uh, the group because I've been singing uh, literally all my life. So, um, I'm like, yeah, you know, no problem. I love, I love being with that, you know, with that group and stuff. And I was at rehearsal one day. I remember I, I was at my mom's house first and I had a bad headache. Head was pounding. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, I've never had a headache like this in my life. So Tylenol, you know, anything I could possibly take to make this headache go away. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I shouldn't even be at no rehearsal, especially with black, loud music. I shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be here. That's not good. And I remember I walked. Uh, our director finally got there and opened up the church. And I remember I was in the, I was in the back, and I always look and see what little updates they made to the little, you know, to the, uh, to the wall and stuff like that in the back. And I remember our, our bass guitar player came in the hallway, and I was like, "Hey, what's going on, Lewis?" And he stuck his hand out for that, but when I put my hand out. My arm shifted on its own, and I'm like, okay, something is wrong. Oh my god! And I like kind of regrouped myself, yeah. 
and put my hand out there again, and it did it again. And I knew what was going on immediately when it did it the second time. Because he looked at me, goes, you all right, man? I said, nope. I said, get my mom going into a seizure. Soon mm. as I said, at, at, while I'm saying this, I'm already starting my seizure. And I remember right be, right after I said seizure, my head hit the floor. And it was a hardwood floor back then. Wow. And I think the only thing that saved me from the pain was the fact that I went out when my head went back. Because, you know, you're going to you, yeah. you flip-flop in any kind of way possible. And um, so had that happened, you know, that major seizure happened. I, I was uh, in the hospital about two, three weeks after I had it, you know. And then, um, and mind you, this is two, three weeks after getting put on dialysis again. So now I didn't have my seizure, you know, which is basically oh. just a rerun of what happened when I was four. My kidney failed. I had the seizure in my grandparents' house. And that's when, that, yeah. you know, went on dialysis. Everything started from there. So um, that happened, got out. Was, you know, kind of took it easy after that. And I remember again, I was at home, major headache. Major headache. Like, you know what? I'm like, I've learned this time. I'm like, I'm going to Kaiser. So went to a went to the emergency yeah. room, you know, to, you know, explain everything to the doctor. And so she's okay, well, we'll we'll take a a CAT scan, you know, of your, of your head. So I'm like, okay. I remember I'm in there and I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm in, but I'm out of it. And I'm sitting there talking to my pops. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm kind of like dazed a little bit. Like my headache is that bad where I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm up at the same time. And I remember the doctor comes in and she goes, uh, you know, when you get that look and you know something's wrong. Because they never just come in like just talking. Yep. They always come in. Right. You can tell. You can tell. They give you that real like silent look. They don't say nothing. They just kind of look at you like I don't know how you about to take this, but. So I'm like, okay, so you know what's going on? So she goes, "Um, yeah, you have a brain bleed. And we're going, we're setting up for emergency surgery um, real soon. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't know if it gets better or worse from here. You know, I'm like, I went from dialysis, right, major seizure, brain surgery. I'm like, what comes next? You know, can somebody give me a preview, please, or something? Because I don't, yeah. you know, I'm barely ready for this. You know, my, my grandfather had uh, brain surgery, um, you know, and so to see him have, you know, honestly, it wasn't even just seeing him. We, me and my mom had to help him, you know, start walking again and get to the bathroom and, you know, uh, remembering who people are and stuff like that, Yeah, you know, in the beginning of, of his recovery time. So, 
that's all that was going through my mind when she said that, you know, and so I just, I immediately started calling people. I'm like, look, I don't know what's about to happen. So, you know, I am either know who you are or I'm not, but this is what's about to happen. You know, at the time I was with um, an ex-girlfriend and I called her and she was actually at the time going to Sacramento State. And so, you know, for me, that was hard because it's like, I got to drop this bomb on her and she's, you know, at the top of the, mm, you know, yeah. at the top of the state, you know, and I'm way down here and, and I know how the type of person she is, you know, if she was out here, she would have definitely been there. So, um, you know, I was, I was, I had the emergency surgery and I was out for a while. I remember when I, when I woke yeah. up, um, well, I have a, a real quick funny story that actually has to do with this, but um, I remember when after she the doctor came in and told me everything, I, I think I, I don't know if I fell asleep or passed out, to be honest with you. And so I remember I woke up, yeah. and at this time yeah. I was already in, in a room. Um, you know, they were getting stuff, everything ready for the surgery and stuff like that. And my mom was sitting there. And she was she was leaning on the uh, on the, the the food mm. tray, and so she was on the phone. You know, I was talking to her for a minute, right? I remember the nurse came in, and she goes, um, "Yeah, you know, I just want to explain to you, uh, you know, how the procedure is gonna go, and this and that, right?" Me and my mom sitting there looking, and so she goes, "Yeah, so first, the doctor is going to drill three three holes in your head." And I said, I'm sorry, you want to repeat that again? And so she said, yeah, she said, you know, she's wow. going to drill three holes in your head here, here, and here. And I said, I'll, and this is not a stupid question because there's a lot of procedures that they actually start off uh, people awake before they put them to sleep. And I said, I'm going to be asleep for this, right? She said, no. Right. Um, they can't put you to sleep for this yet. No. And the and the look on oh my, my mom's gosh. face was like, oh, wow. and she looked at her. She said, "Ma'am, um, you must not know who you're talking to." And she said, "Because he has a high tolerance for pain, but not that pain." I and I looked at her. I said, "Lady, look." I said. Hmm. This is not gonna happen unless I'm asleep. Now, here's the killer yeah. part to this. I don't know if I passed out again, so they were able to do it that way, or if they actually did put me to sleep. Mm. I have no clue how that went. I was my memory right. for that time is gone. I have no recollection of, of what happened with that part. You know, I think the only person who may know is my is my mom for sure, maybe my dad, but I have no clue how that part went. So, but I do know that they did drill the three because I actually saw uh, a procedure of how my procedure went, but it wasn't mine; it was somebody else's. It's the same cut, the same drill, everything. It was ex you know the exact same procedure that I had done, and so. So I know that they're there. I just don't know 
you know, exactly how they were able to do it without me punching somebody in the throat. So, um, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably lunch for somebody's throat too, to punch with them and be like, hey, oh, why no, uh-uh, you're putting me under for this. Yeah, I was I definitely you, not going no. to uh, <laughs> deal with that. So, uh, so had that happen, and I went um, after, you know, basically withdraw from school for about almost four years. Um, I literally was like, you know, bedridden at the time. I was literally in the house all day, every day, except for going to dialysis. Like, yeah, I was, that was all that I did for about almost a good four complete years. Um, at the time, it was crazy. What got me back on my feet was, um, at the time, my uncle gave me a car in between that time. And, but I couldn't drive. You know, I was still dealing with the, with the seizures, you know, that medicine and stuff like that. So right. I remember we used to park, we parked it in front of the apartment. I remember I used to go down there. That was my, my getting sun and getting airtime. I would go just sit in the car and turn on the radio and just sit there. You know, I mean, it was better yeah. than just sitting in the house. You know, so I would go sit in the car. I sit out there True. for two, three hours and just, and just watch traffic go up and down oh Crenshaw. God. Because that was like my entertainment outside of like TV or whatever. Because like I said, I did nothing, you know. So that was me getting yeah. some air, you know, getting some sunlight, you know. And that's a, a big part of, of your recovery process for any kind of surgery, you know, transplant or whatever is getting sun, getting air, you know, uh, moving, you know, and of course not too soon, but when you can without hurting yourself. You know, that type of thing. So I made sure, you know, and the good thing was, it, this is the only good thing I can see coming from this, but we had stairs. <laughs> and so, you know, that was me walking up and down the stairs, you know, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. uh, dealt with that. And then we ended up moving uh, not too long after that uh, to work, to the house that we're in now. And I was able to make that transition over to peritoneal dialysis, which was the best thing ever that could ever happen. And so once I made that transition, um, I made my transition back into school um, real slowly, you know, one, one class here, one class there, you know, just to get back into, I didn't want to take three or four classes and my mind couldn't take it you know, and I'm just trying to fail it or get a D or whatever. So um, I very slowly got, you know, back into into school. Um, and then I ended up getting a job working um, at an after-school program. Uh, I was there for a while. And in the, in all this time, I had my, my, my down times, you know, um, uh, as I was working on this after school program, a uh, really good friend of mine, um, Derek Cottrell, worked there as well. He actually was working there before I was. And I was like completely down, like down. And the thing about it is that it happened so quick because I remember I went to an appointment early in, in the morning. 
left from there, got on a bus, went to work. I remember I got, by the time I got off the bus, which was like all the 10 minutes away from my job, I was like feeling like crap. I'm like, you know, I must be hungry because I didn't eat anything. I had to do labs and all that stuff, you know, the normal stuff for me. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I need to eat something. Yeah. So I remember I grabbed something, got to, you know, got there, signed in and stuff like that. And I hurry up and ate. By this time, they had already signed in the kids because it was on the early day for them. So I had time to sit there and ate. And I remember I was like, this is not good. Like, I, you know, I really felt really bad. And so... I remember I was uh, getting up, and I remember I called called my, my pops because he worked down the street. As he works at the school that I, uh, that I go to, and I called him and said, "I need you to come get me. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling great. Can't be here. You know, my kids right now." And so he's like, right, "I'm on my way." So I remember, yeah, I got maybe about ten steps further. And we had like benches in the area where we signed the kids, and that's where they used to sit and eat their snacks. And I like literally just had to like sit and I couldn't move. And the only thing I could do was pick up my phone and mm. I said, Well, it'd be easier for me to call somebody that I know can get to me. So I called Darren. And I said, Hey man, I said, Where where are you? He said, I'm I'm in an auditorium. I said, I need, I need you to come outside. I said, I'm, I'm right outside the auditorium uh, laying on this bench. And he said, all right, I'm on my way. You know, Darren, at the time, he already knew my situation and, and you know, with my health and stuff like that. And so he kind of understood if I was calling him while we was at work, it was a problem. Right. So I remember I'm laying there. There's something and By this time, I'm kind of literally already out of it. My eyes are closed. All I can do is hear. And I heard him. He's like, hey, I'm right here. He's like, what's up? He said, what you need me to do? And I said, call 911. So I got out, called 911 and called my dad. The good thing about it is that everybody got 911 number. The, the other part of it is that he already had my pop's number. So yep. by this time, <clears throat> I'm already gone. Like I'm out. I'm I'm passed out. I'm, I'm done. Right. So um I remember I woke up and the ambulance had already, you know, came, they working on me and doing things. And what's so funny is that I got upset over something that's so significantly small in this situation. But I remember I woke up and, and the paramedics was like, Mr. Jones, can you hear me? I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, we need to take your blood pressure and do this, do that, you know. All of a sudden, I started hearing snip, snip, snip. And I'm like, is he cutting uh -oh. my shirt? Uh -oh. Man, listen, I was so mad. Oh, my God. And like I said, it was something so small in such a bigger situation. Yeah. But I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, I like that shirt. But it was, you know, yeah. Do I get right. do, do, you know are you gonna funny? buy me a new one? Like do I get one back? It's to this day, I still have that shirt. It was a it was a blue under armor shirt oh that God. I used to wear to work. Wow. By the time I left work, 
at that time, it was like 6, 30, 7 o'clock, and it was cold. So I made sure, you know, that I had an Under Armour shirt, mm. you know, some tight stuff like that on my cold days. And like I said, I like, I used, because I used to wear that shirt with a lot of things, you know, you know, blue shirt, lighter blue shirts, you know, or what, you know, whatever, you know, whether it's sporting events or whatever yeah. the case may be, right? So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, if I find this man again, we're going to fight. <laughs> right. Either, but the fact that, that I had say, no hey, energy buy me a to shirt, say it, you know, kind of put me in a bad situation. But um, so, you know, and that was just one kind of small incident that I had, even after getting better, uh, you know, um, but though that's one thing that I've I've always thanked Darren for me and Darren are good friends. We you know talk to this day, um, and you know he's actually one of he's I mentioned another day he's actually uh the person that's going to come on our show and pray for our show on our first show on March first. So, um, you know he's he's always been there, uh, you know for me, um, no matter what the situation is, you know. And so I, you know, like a lot of us that deal with transplant life, um, have been fortunate enough to have people like him who have come in my life, who have, you know, lend me a hand when needed it, you know, the love and support, you know, that we all uh, look for in our, in our times when, no matter if we're at the the highest point in our lives, very happy, you know, pushing forward to those times where, you know, it's kind of our low, our low points in our life, you know? And so, um, definitely blessed to have, have him as a friend, you know, and, and continuously as a friend, you know, it's never been one of them friendships where it's like, you know, that dull moment, you know, where it's like, you never hear from, him, you know? Um, so, but, yeah. um, over the, that's incredible, man. So I know you mentioned a little bit, you mentioned a lot of, you know, the the transition and kind of wanting to get out all the way to now. Um, and man, you've been you've been through it. You know, you've you've been transplanted, you've been to the games, you've experienced the, re- the rejection phase and, and what that's like, and you've experienced some other, you know, challenges and hardships along the way. What is something that maybe um, you held on to or something that would really help you um, get through those times to get to what you're doing now, which I want to talk with you a little bit about that too on um, this new show that you got coming. Um, but first, what what's something that really uh, The one thing that I pretty much advocate for, no matter what I'm talking about when it comes to transplantation, is a support system. Um, you know, and that doesn't just mean, you know, family, you know, uh, that's old friends, new friends, you know, people who just want to help out, you know, um, I, I was, yeah, it, it took me a while to understand this. Um, but my parents got divorced, you know, when I was young, I believe I was like two years old. So, uh, you know, when I was little, all I wanted was for them to, you know, of course, be together and, 
And I, you know, even though I, I love all my family, it took me a while to really kind of understand that there was a reason why, you know, God did what he did. You know, it, it gave me that extended family, you know, my, my stepmom side, my stepdad side, um, to be able to have that support and that love while going through what I'm going through. Because, it you know, you know, it takes a lot out of you, you know, but when you when you have that love and that support oh, from a lot of people, it you know it takes a lot from you to have to deal with you know, um, and you know one one person told me this and and it stays in my mind to this day. Um, my best friend Justine told me said you know, because uh, I told her I remember one day we were talking I'm like I'm getting tired. You know, I mean, we all go through those times where it's like, you know, this transplant needs to hurry up. You know, I'm tired of dealing with dialysis or I'm tired of dealing with whatever uh, pre-transplant things you have to deal with for your organ that you're dealing with, you know, whether it's hard with LVADs and things of that nature. And it's like, and he's, you know, I told her, man, it got to the point where I really honestly was like kind of tired of fighting. She said... Yeah. Well, let me fight for you. And I was like, wow. I know what she meant, but at this, you know, I'm goofy. You know, you've known me long enough this past year and a half to know I joke about a lot of stuff. And it's not to be um, unsincere about it, but it's just kind of how I've always lived my life. Jokes was, you know, laughing was kind of how, how I always kept pushing. And I'm like, yeah. in my mind, I was thinking graciously, you know, I I would definitely appreciate that, you know, and I appreciate you saying that. But at the same time, I was going, can you do that? Like, you know, like, can, you know, I wish you could, like, take all it'd be this kind of nice. if you want to, you know, and what made it hit even more for me, honestly, yeah. without getting too far into her story, is that she was going through a lot at that time. You know, I mean, we, we kind of dealt with these, with her situation mm -hmm. together. And I, because I told her from the beginning, you know, I always, I've known her since uh, I worked at Disneyland. So that's, you know, almost 13 years now. And so, um, you know, we've been there for each other, you know all this time, you know, and so, but she was going through something herself at the yeah. time. And for her to say that while I'm going through what I'm going through, you know, um, was to me, it was one of those situations where it's like, you might not necessarily get emotional often, but that was one thing that could definitely make you emotional at the time because it's like, yeah, I'm going through what I'm going through, but you're going through something probably equally as big and you're offering to still take my burdens away from me. You know, so, yeah. but, um, you know, I, the support system, man, is a really big situation for all of us. And that's and that's any life 
threatening right. oh, absolutely. illness. And I, I don't mean just transplant. I'm talking about cancer, you know, anything like that, that where you have to fight to live, you know, you need that support. You need that love. You need that uh, affection, you know, where people, you know, uh, show you, you know, hey, I care about you. I want to make sure you're okay. You know, whether it's just calling you once a week, you know, uh, you know, bringing you some groceries or something like that if you ain't got nothing in the house. You might be one of, you know, might be one of them times where you down, you, you don't have the energy to, you know, to cook or anything like that. You know, go shopping. You know, like that yep. is one of next to in the transplant life next to a donor, the support, the support system, man, is the next biggest thing in our in our journey, man, because we can't do it by ourselves. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No. Right. You you it, can it take a lot you don't want to do it. But you you wouldn't want to. It, you know, it's probably will be more trying to make it on your own than actually getting through the transplant itself. You know, because when you got that help, you know, <clears throat> oh, right. it's a little easier for you. You know, it takes off take some things off your shoulders to have to do, you know, when you're going through these situations, you know, and and it and you can ease your way back into your normal life. You know, when you have that support, when you have to force yourself right. to do certain things for yourself after the fact, man, you know, I, and I've, I've seen some people that, that have had to do it, man, and they've, and by the grace of God, they've made it. They're still going, they're still doing, but it was some times where I'm like, bro, you need help. You know, so, so support system, yeah. man. If you can, if you can be a support system to somebody, and I'm not saying go pay their bills or nothing like that. If you can do that, trust me, that would be great for somebody, especially that really needs it. But you know, just calling them, oh, you know, go check on them, you know, periodically, you know, uh, go ride by the house, you know, send them, you know, a little care package or something like that. Like that goes so far for us because it just shows the love and the care from somebody to say, hey, I'm going to stop what I'm doing because we're all going through stuff. And that's what makes it, you know, makes us feel even more because we all know we're going through something, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, health wise oh, or just, you know, having, you know, deal with going to work on the bus or something like that. You know, we're all going through something. But for you to be able to take the time to kind of just say, all right, I'm not worried about myself right now. I'm going to go check on uh, check on Phil. I'm going to go check on Wills. I'm going to go check on Austin. I'm going to go check on Edward, you know, uh, and see how, they, you know, see how they doing, see how they coming along, see how their recovery is going. That means a lot, you know. So who, if you don't, you know, like I said, this doesn't mean that you have to be connected to the transplant in some kind of way. If you, you know, you can go find, it's a bunch of people on Facebook right now, you know, tons of people tons. that are dealing with these situations. You know, some people are dealing with medical expenses. Some people are dealing with the fact that they were paying their medical expenses. And that means a little bit more to them than, you know, maybe getting groceries consistently or whatever the case may be. If you, you know, if you single or if you just got the money or whatever the case may be, the love, 
you know, please show that to, to somebody dealing with it. And then, like I said, I'm not just talking about transplant. If you know somebody dealing with cancer, help them some kind of way. An elderly person that may not have no health issues, but they're just so far in age that they can't do certain things for themselves anymore. Even if that, even if that's coming in and, and tidying up for them, you know, even a, a clean environment for them, things mm. off the floor so they don't trip and fall. You know, a support system for anybody, man, is, is a wonderful situation to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that I wrote about that a little bit um, when you were talking about, you know, you, can you do it alone? Yes. Should you? No. Um, and I wrote about that in the uh, challenge series on the blog, um, on the weekly draft blog that I do. Um, and I talk a little bit about, you know, I basically say, look, you know, the transplant experience, specifically talking on this, it's not meant to be right. done alone. It's meant to be done in community. You know, so finding those people who can speak life into you and support you, however that looks, um, you know, whether it's the, whether it's your faith community, whether it's um, parents, siblings, friends, friends of friends, you know, like you said, you know, plug into those people because it is, man, it's, that's so true. I, I love, I love that that is what you focused on because it is everything you were saying. I'm, I'm sitting here on the phone. I'm like, yep. He's got it. He's right. You, wow, that's it's so true, man. It's so true because if you don't have that, or or you're kind of half halfing it a little bit, and you're just like, eh, I'll I'll get it when I when I feel like it. You're gonna end up looking back, and you're like, man, probably right. should have reached out to those people when I had the chance, you know? Yeah, and so I know part of community. Um, is being able to plug in to, to you know, with folks and whether it be social media, whether it be podcasting like we're doing now, but you got something coming up with Austin. Um, shout out to Austin Lee, another fellow Why Not teammate. Um, fill me in a little bit on this, man. Uh, looks yeah, like so you got something cool coming up. Me and up. Austin um, are starting uh, a show on that'll be on YouTube and Facebook Live. Uh, that I decided to title uh, A Second Chance. And the reason that I'm doing this show is the exact reason that I've just pretty much given through this uh, through this interview is because um, it, I want to touch everything. Like I said, it's not, even though I'm connected personally to a transplant life, doesn't mean that that's what I have to focus on. Um, my whole thing through my whole life, uh, anybody knows me knows that I, I like to help people. You know, I will stop what I'm doing to go help somebody, um, no matter what the situation is. So um, the point to our show is to get the stories of people who have at one point in life, hit, it's two sides to this, for people who have hidden low points in their life that were able to figure out a way to get out of that situation and are doing uh, much better for themselves, for their families, they're, they're thriving, 
you know, um, whether it's making money, donating, whatever the case may be. Um, the other side to this is to be a resource to people, um, which is kind of an addition to, to what I just said, but um, to, to give that motivation to people who are currently in those low points who are trying to find ways to get out of them. So, uh, you know, like I said, to be a, a resource and a helping hand to those people who have yet to figure out a way how to get, you know, get the lights back on or be able to provide more for their kids, you know, or for their parents if they're, you know, uh, kind of the only person that can work, you know, um, that those types of situations to be able to have people come on the show and say, you know, hey, I'm doing this business where, uh, you know, just for time, I don't know if somebody's actually doing this or not, but this is just for, for the sake of conversation and ex explaining. But um, to have uh, somebody come on and say, hey, you know, we have a business where we go around and uh, help elderly people out at their house. You know, like I said, whether it's, you know, cleaning up or, you know, they might have cans in the backyard to have some change in their pocket and they can't, you know, do the cans like they used to. My grandfather used to do cans, but, it, you know, once he got kind of later in his life where he kind of couldn't do those things anymore, I did it for him, you know. So like that type of thing where, you know, you just kind of uh, help out as a resource, you know. Um, so. But, you know, like I said also to help those people who are, are kind of down that need that help to be lifted up, you know, uh, that motivation, uh, that that different yeah. way uh, to try to do things. Because, you know, it, it might be that one person out there, you know, they didn't try everything left, right, up, down, side to side on how to get out of the situation they're in. They've heard, you know, hundreds of most motivational speakers and not one of the, those things that they heard helped them get out of it. But it could be one thing that comes from this one specific person that helps them get out of that situation. You know? And so um, the other side mm, to it yeah. kind of is the transplant thing, you know, or people who have had health issues that were, you know, uh, at one point they were just like, I don't think I'm going to make it or whatever, but have that, that story of fighting um our our first show is uh March 1st and the first guest that I that I knew needed to be on was somebody um in one of our families you know and so I, I asked him to ask his mom clearly to come on our show because not only did this woman give birth to him once she did it twice um Austin's first transplant was from his mom mm. so it's for me it's 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 very important to understand where myself and Austin come from and it's is no other way than to get it from right. from her you know or his you know his siblings or or you know somebody in that area that was pretty much there consistently all the time that kind of went through it with him and I know that she has you know she has a uh, insight to the other side of his story, you know, because we're the patient. So some things that's happened that we don't even know about, you know, 
I, I've learned that honestly from my right. mom oh, because absolutely. as many times I've been emergency room, sur- emergency surgeries and things of that nature. And I wake up and my mom had told me this story and that story. And I'm like, what the heck that happened? And, you know, like, I, I don't remember because I, I was probably asleep I don't remember that or something, one. you know, in surgery or whatever. Um, yep. So, you know, th- those those things, th- those are the sides that need to be heard. You know, um, like, yeah, our story that we could put together is great. But is we all know some things missing, you know, some things that, you know, we may not necessarily fully know um, from us when we were infants, you know, and those things. Like I said, I'm 31, but I remember having that seizure at four. I don't remember crap before that. Transplant related, you know, kidney related or not, I don't remember nothing before that seizure. You know, so I would need my mom. I would need my dad to tell that side of the story. Or if I, you know, if I decide to write a book or something, you know, whoever's going to write it has to talk to them. You know, so. So, you know, it uh, definitely was, was Man, I'm- uh, a great honor to be able to, you know, going to be able to have her on that show. But the. Outside of the fact of it being family, um, March is National Women's Day. I mean, uh, National Women's Month. So um, we decided to, you know, for all our shows for the month of March, we're going to have women on our show. Um, So uh, we have some people that we're in the the process of talking to for the next uh, couple weeks after that. Um, after that show, and if we get that yes, it's gonna be uh, a <clears throat> excuse me, very very uh powerful show. Um, because of the women that'll be on the show for those you know for those weeks weekend. So, um, that March first is a Monday, but our shows actually be on a Sunday. Um, after that, so the first. Is a, like I said, is a Monday, and then our next one will be on the seventh, which is a Sunday, and then it'll be on Sunday from uh from then on out. So, um, so yeah, it's it's, I think it it's something that's needed because I don't think, I think a lot of people are focused on specific things. So you have some shows that are focused, you know, on specific transplants then you have some that are just focused on transplant period then you have some that are just kind of focused on maybe focused on cancer or some shows that may just you know focused on uh being a motivation but for specific people i'm trying to bring all these things together at one time because i don't feel that one person in a situation is I don't feel like their situation is any more important than somebody else's. So all of them need to be heard and all of them need to be touched. Right. You know, when I say touched, I mean to be uh, given that platform to be able to come and give, uh, you know, say I got, I have these resources that deal with this, you know, and things like that, because you never know. Some people may not have that hand that can just kind of be given to them that says, you know, uh, here's all the information you need. 
and they don't have to worry about nothing. You know, I know people right. like that 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 have just been kind of given that hand, you know, and and all these resources, but then they don't they don't want to pay that forward to somebody else. They'll tell them about you know some things like oh well you know if you apply for this you can do such and such, but then it won't tell you how to apply for it. Like that makes no, it makes no sense to me. Like you don't tell me right. about it, but then you know it's this you know, uh, retarded way of having to do it, you know, but you're not going to tell me that part. You know, somebody gave it to you, but now I got to, you know, twist and turn and, and do loops to try to figure this out. And, and You have to know right, the right questions right. to ask. You got to basically interrogate somebody to get certain information. You know, it's like, and you would think the people who are it, you know, who were just given these things and opportunities would be willing to do the same thing with somebody else because you could have been the person who it wasn't given to. You know, so. Mm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just, you know, a little, like I said, it'll be on, on YouTube, Facebook Live, on um, my, uh, my personal page and also on Austin Lee's personal pages. It'll um, go through StreamYard and it'll air from there to uh, YouTube and, and our Facebook pages. So um, maybe in the future we might expand a little bit more uh, to other platforms because um, I know there's you know other ways that you can do it um, you know on other levels. Um, so, but for now we're just kind of keeping it there. You know, if things, you know, get a little bit bigger for us, um, you know, then, you know, we probably possibly could make that uh, expansion. Um, and then, you know, definitely uh, looking forward to, you know, in the future, once we get done with Women's Month and things like that, definitely bringing you, uh, bringing you on for sure. Uh, and your Man, I'd, oh, yeah. I'd love it. Oh, definitely. That, that's an honor. You know, That'd be we, great. We, we, I told you before, man, we family, you know, and, and that's that's a very important part of Amen. my life. You know, that's the one. If, if I I could take everything else for granted, money, where I live and everything like that, but the one thing that I don't take for granted is my family, whether it's, you know, if, if blood related or not, you know, because you could have been placed in somebody else's life besides mine and, you know, I could have never gotten what I've learned so far that I've known you from you, you know. And so I, right. I, I appreciate those things when I yeah. get them because I could have easily been the person that's not getting it. So, um, yeah, that's definitely gonna uh, have you on there for sure because your story needs to be told. What you're doing, you know, especially uh, you know you and Jonathan working together. You know that that's that's a powerful force right there, and and trust me, you know you know, I'm not one of those people to say, you know, oh he has a show, so you know, oh we we got to be uh, rivals. No, like I understand, but I'm I'm real about it. You know, is you two working together does a great thing for the transplant community, and. It's definitely needed. And, you know, like I said, it's a bunch of people out there doing separate stuff. 
but you've to found a way to yep. work together and coexist in what you're doing, you know, and that's kind of how, you know, with me and Austin, me and Austin may have both had kidneys, but we've kind of come, even though our, our stories are similar, we've also come from, you know, we've taken different avenues and streets to get to where we are. So us working together and doing Absolutely, what we're doing, yes. you know, it, it, it makes it work because uh, number one, like, I, like I've been saying this from the beginning, starting why not. The hardest thing to do is get started. And just starting this show, period, adding what, you know, the people that I know, what I know, along with what Austin knows, people that he knows, that he talks to and incorporates with the hospitals that he, you know, uh, there's so many people that can be helped, you know, between between the two of us, between Impact American Media and, and A Second Chance, man. It's so much that we can do between four people. It's, it's four of us, but we can do so, so much just by telling a story or getting somebody's, you know, resource, you know, uh, yep. business out there. You know, they start a business or whatever, and they come on, you know, either transformator or not, and say, yeah, you know, I have this business, but I also donate, you know, a certain amount to to a charity or, you know, to somebody in need, you know, once or twice a year. You know, like, it's so, and it's a lot of those out there, but, you know, and of course, we got to do our due diligence in finding these people, but you know, not all of them just going to fall in our lap. You know, but, oh yeah, we can have so and so on the show, but you know, no. Yeah, man. No, I, ha- I had a si- I had a situation happen. Um, I'll be dropping a blog post on it here pretty soon um, about a need opportunity. Kind of, I had to do a little bit of work to get to it. But once I got to it, it was so rewarding. But man, I I I want to give you a little bit of a of a chance. Um, everyone I have on my podcast, I like to give them a minute or so of uninterrupted time to give their message to the world. So, um, y'all, we've we've heard an incredible story from my man Philip. He is he's done it all, y'all. He's been in the transplant games. He's had um, a transplant. He's had life challenges along with it. But in all of it, um, he's taken a play out of the Edward Drake playbook, and he's turned his test into a testimony. And, Philip, I want to hear from you, man. What is your message to the world? That Number you got? one, love each other and support anybody that you can because you never know – when that support is going to be needed. Um, real quick, I say that because um, I guess I've been dealing with this since I was four years old and the time that my dad and my stepmom have been together, married, all that, she's always been there. Regardless of the fights and arguments that we may have had, because like I told you before, when I was younger, I wanted my parents to be together, so I didn't see the importance at the time. Um, but now she's dealing with a health illness of her own. 
which is, you know, going to need that support from me, from my pop, from my sister to be there for her when she's always been there for us. So um, love who you have as long as you can, support them, find somebody else to support it. And like I said, it doesn't have to be financially, you know, it could just be, you know, going to clean up the house, cut the grass, you know, uh, anything like that. Even if you, if you got a little change, you can go help somebody pay the light bill. We Everybody know the light bill, nine times out of 10 and the gas bill is the least bill that you're going to pay, you know, so if you got a little change, you can go help an elderly person that may have, you know, um, maybe kind of short on cash, you know, things like that. Go help them out because I guarantee you, small or big, one point in your life, you're going to need somebody to help support you. That's all I got, brother. Absolutely, man. No, that that's so true about, you know, finding the folks out there, especially now with COVID and how difficult that's been for folks, um, especially with medical challenges to be able to get out and stuff. So like what you'd said earlier in the interview of, you know, finding those people, reaching out to them through social media, just doing what you can to, to make a difference, make an impact and, um, you know, really valuing, valuing and cherishing those relationships while you've got them man so where where can we find what all you're doing i know you're on social uh, media instagram, where, where can my we find you at, man? instagram is living testimony 12 um on facebook um my name would be philip uh harris jones jr uh, on youtube um myself and austin's lead page is a second chance 2021 all one word, um, but if you can't, it, it has. We have our own logo. It's blue, but because it's not, you know, not like we upload stuff every three seconds or nothing like that, like a normal YouTube page that you would look for. Uh, you might have to type in uh, maybe Austin Lee, why not school driver, something like pertaining to that, where it'll pop up. You know, the video itself will pop up because that was the first video we did was Austin doing a school supply drive. At Children's National, so um, I think that is all of them. Um, you know, also, you know, I the Why Not Connect um, that me and Wills are a part of. Um, we have connections to that page as well. Um, Austin Lee has his own personal um, Instagram uh, and Facebook. His Facebook is Austin Lee. Um, can't remember his his whole um Instagram, but I believe it's Austin it's either Austin Lee or Austin L and some numbers. But if you are if you have my Instagram or Willis, we we both have him as a friend on Instagram. So just look for Austin, you know, Austin Lee or Austin L and uh he should pop up uh in, in the uh following or, or follow list on both of our uh, pages. All right, everyone. So that's a wrap for our interview with Philip Harris Jones Jr. As we continue the Pass the Mic series for this week. This episode, y'all, I really enjoyed um, the opportunity to interview Philip. He has an incredible story of transplant, and um, he was able to tell a little bit about where he's been 
in his transplant journey, where he is now, and where he wants to be. Uh, I would encourage all of you to go and give him a follow on YouTube, on their YouTube page, uh, which is a second chance 2021, all one word, um, or on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you are on social media, go and give them a follow in Austin because they really are doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to see where he is going in the future. So with that, y'all, that's really the end of the episode, except for this. I would challenge all of you to go out and do something this week that you would not normally do to help make an impact, whether that's making an impact in your family, making an impact in your community, or making an impact in your world. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Join the Journey podcast, and we'll catch you in the next episode. See ya!